Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. I'm glad you're here on a Tuesday night. I often call it Second Monday because it really just feels like Monday but longer. Um, but I'm glad you're here. I mean, this is, this is a great place to be. We're a young adult community who believes in anchoring Jesus into our lives and seeing the fruit of that. Uh, if it's your first or second time, you can point and shoot at this screen right here. We've got this QR code. That'll give you access to all, all of our digital content, like everything we throw out there on the internet. You can find through that link. Uh, and uh, we'd love for you to follow us on social media because we update you on all the latest stuff. We've got our podcasts with all of our past messages and special episodes that we release every once in a while. Uh, but you should definitely follow us because we're going to be posting some updates. Uh, one of our biggest things to do around here, uh, event-wise and fun-wise, is uh, every year for our Halloween, we do our Anchor Frights Halloween party. Man, who was around last year for that? Nobody. Oh, right. Well, it was a great time, okay? It was awesome. This year, we're doing a silent disco, so uh, it's like, like, you know what that is? You put the headphones on, everybody's listening to tunes and dancing. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have costume contests with prizes, like really good prizes, okay? Maybe some AirPods, some Amazon gift cards, all the good things. Uh, it's going to be loads of fun. We're having tacos, like 300 tacos, a lot of tacos. Come eat tacos. We do not want extra, okay? There'll be candy, all that good stuff. That's going to be happening on October 26th, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Be here or don't, but you'll miss out, okay? And then you'll feel really bad when you see all of our fun posts from the Halloween party. But uh, last week, who was with us for our movie night? Dude, yeah! We had a spooky season kickoff, and we watched Halloween Town, which is not really, it's not, it's not like scary, and it's kind of not even really a good movie, but it was great company, and uh, it, it, it was fun. It's a great movie, he says. Top review, five out of five. Um, and so I'm glad that you're with us. That kicked off our spooky season, okay? And now we're in a new sermon series called Spooky Season, and I'm excited. It's a good one. If you've got your, uh, the app and you've got the uh, digital notes pulled up, you can find the verse, but this is the key verse going to be on the screen if you want to read this with me for tonight. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, nah, fam. He said, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. And this is the word of God. This is spooky season. Can I get an amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, ooh, spooky season. Ooh, spooky season. I'm excited for this one. I think it's a good one. Uh, I do. I love spooky season. Um, how many of you love uh, spooky season? All right. That's just what we call it. October. Love October. For me, it's like, I, I love 
like, I love the cooler weather, okay? So it's like, October really kicks that off for me. And I like, I, like, it's, it's not just spooky season, it's my season, all right? For like the next four or five months, I like, I thrive, okay, in this time. And so I really love October because it really kicks off like the, um, all the holidays. I love holidays. I love having fun things to do, events, all that stuff. And I, I just, uh, like, October is just this month dedicated to, like, this fun fall, spooky stuff, right? And we go to places like uh, Raisin Hell Ranch, um, Hobbs Grove. Nobody? Y'all go to Hobbs Grove? Not this year, but have you ever been? Ever at all? I love that place. I don't, I, like, it's just fun. It's just cool. And we go, and we go there to, like, have fun. And I remember I went with my family um, like years ago when I was in high school. And I remember going and I have a, my, my mom, my sister, and it was me and my dad. And we go into like the haunted house. We have to walk through and people jump out and scare you, right? Like that's, you're, you're paying for people to scare you, which is just weird in concept. But I remember we were walking through and my dad, my dad and I, we were making my mom and my sister go first. All right. Cause they wanted to stand behind us. And we're like, no, 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 we, and part of, us paying for this is we want to watch you get scared. And so we like put them out like in front of us. So they're walking and they're like, ah, you know, anything, like anything. Like if we, if we just breathe, they're screaming. Like, what, what was that? I'm like, I just <laughs> had a cough, dude. Chill. And so then they're like, just, just ah, like as they're walking forward. And so they send you in in like groups because, and they, they like give you space and time because they don't want everybody just going through in there in a line, like a factory. That's not fun, right? So you give space. Well, my mom and my sister were going so slow that, and then the people behind us was like a group of girls and they were going really fast. And so they caught up with us. So then it ended up being my dad and I just in the center smush between my mom and my sister and this other group of girls who's like pulling on our jackets and our sweatshirts and hiding behind us. And they're just like, ah, 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 ah. And we're just standing like, I don't, why do we do this? And, and then, and then like uh, a few years later, went back to Hobbs Grove. I was with a group of friends. And I remember the, this girl who showed up, part of our friend group. She had on a really big hoodie, cinched the hoodie all the way closed around her face. So she couldn't see anything. And then she had brought a pillow and put the pillow like in her sweatshirt. So she could like hide underneath it. I don't know. It was like a comfort thing. Like she figured if like, you can't get me if I've got cotton between us. I don't know. And, and so then she like, it was like, she just walked like the whole time. It was us having to like direct her to make sure she didn't run into any walls. And she's just like, ah, and her eyes closed. I'm like, why are you paying to come if you're not even looking? Like you can't even see anything. You should have just stayed home. You could have put on a YouTube video, closed your eyes and pretended you were there. You know what I mean? But like we, that's just stuff we do because we enjoy the season. Like we just... We just do that, right? It's spooky season. It's fun. Uh, that's like the fun part of uh, the supernatural, right? We have movies like Ghostbusters. I love Ghostbusters, man. That one's a good one. I watch that one like every year around Halloween time. It's just a, it's just like a perfect, fun 80s movie. I love it. That's like the fun part of that spooky supernatural stuff. But I mean, have you ever been like really scared, <laughs> like really freaked out. Like you saw something and you're like, dude, that was, that was a ghost in my house. Burn it down right now. Like I've, I've had a couple of those experiences. I remember like the first time I was really scared. I actually remember. And I was like little, I was like four or five. 
And for some reason, I used to wake up at the butt crack of dawn, okay, like 5 a.m., and I'd go downstairs and watch cartoons. I don't know why. I can't, I can't even get up at 9. I, I'm literally still in bed at 10 a.m. nowadays. Like, ask my wife. She has to yank me out of bed. But I used to get up when I was little really early in the morning, and I remember walking to the railing, and I was going to start heading downstairs to go watch cartoons, and I saw, like, this big, just black, scary-looking figure laying on the ground. And it was just laying there. I was like, <gasps> I was freaked out. And so I kind of ran back to my room. And I was like scared. I came out and I look and it's still around the corner. I'm, dude, I go back to my room. I'm scared. A little more light starts coming up. I go around the corner. It's a blanket. It's just a blanket chilling there. I was like, oh, it's a blanket. It's just a blanket. I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, duh. And so I walked down there. But I remember I was like, I was like really scared of that. I remember another time, like freaky stuff, like just kind of happens. Um, sometimes it's weird. I was driving the other night down. I hate the roads that don't have street lights, like, and it's just your headlights. And I was driving and I saw a dude walking on the side of the road. And then I didn't see a dude walking on the side of the road. Freaky. I was like, babe, I just saw a dude walking on the side of the road. And then I didn't see a dude walking on the side of the road. And she's like, that's weird. I didn't see a guy. And I was like, yeah, I know he didn't exist, babe. And, and like, that's just, you can't explain that. It's just your mind playing tricks on you, maybe. In fact, there was a weird time I was showering and I got done with my shower and I was going to squeegee the shower, you know, because I'm a responsible adult. Okay. And I was going to squeegee the shower. And so I went to grab the squeegee from the place the squeegee always is. And it wasn't there. So I'm like, oh, man. So I get out, put my towel on. I'm like dripping down the hallway, just wet everywhere. I walk in the living room. And I say, hey, baby. Where'd you put the squeegee? And she's like, I didn't touch the squeegee. I said, I said, babe, I know that you forgot where you put the squeegee. <laughs> so just try and remember. She's like, I didn't move the squeegee. I'm like, babe, we both know that I didn't move the squeegee. So it was you. You moved the squeegee. I didn't touch the squeegee. I'm like, you touch the squeegee, woman. It ended up being a fight. I walk back to the bathroom. The squeegee is exactly where it is every single time. Only explanation, ghost in my house. Our house is for sale. If anyone's looking, we're moving out. But like supernatural things are kind of freaky and weird. They're fun sometimes, but when they're really like they get you, it's weird. Because the fact is that there is a real supernatural unseen world around us. We, we, it, it's, it's true. And, and so in the honor of spooky season, I thought it'd be fun to do this series in October, talking about the weird, creepy, supernatural things that happen in the Bible, okay? A lot of pastors don't preach on this because it's kind of hard to preach on because it's weird, freaky, and supernatural, okay? It doesn't make for a pretty-looking sermon. But, uh, uh, you know, people are made up of the physical and spiritual. And if you remember our battle plan series uh, just a few weeks ago, we were in Ephesians and the Apostle Paul, one of our key verses, it said that, uh, that there's an unseen world around us and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of the unseen world, right? And so I want you to know, man, maybe you didn't think about it this way, but if you believe in angels, like you also believe in demons, like if you're a Jedi, you believe in the light side, 
and you also know about the dark side, okay? It's, you just don't say like, oh no, that doesn't exist. You have to believe the whole thing, not just half of it. So if you believe that there is like a good spiritual realm, right, with angels, then you also know that there's like the dark side of that and the, and the, and the demons. And so one of, the, one of the most profitable horror movies of all time uh, came out in 1973. That's the movie The Exorcist. How many have seen it? Don't watch it. It'll ruin like three weeks of your night. Like, just like, you won't be able to sleep, okay? You're just going to be like taking caffeine because you don't want to go to bed, all right? All the lights are going to be on your house, electricity bill through the roof, all right? But it's like this scary movie has to deal with like this priest, and he's uh, performing an exorcism on this girl who's been possessed, and it's like loosely based around a true story, and even that's kind of freaky to think about. And uh, and and it's it's about him like exercising this demon, right? Like this girl's possessed, and the idea of demon possession and the idea of demons possessing a body—it's been around for years, like it's nothing new. Like it really, that idea of demons possessing a body has been around for thousands of years. And the ancient world was like this very superstitious place, like way, way back. And ancient uh, people groups believed that there were spirits that literally just like swarmed around in the air, like above our heads, like at all times, which is just weird to think about. You're like, wow, the sky's blue. And there also might be demons up there. Like, that's like what they believed. And, uh, and like, have you ever thought about the origins of um, why we say bless you after somebody sneezes? I Googled it. And one of the, like, n- nobody knows for sure, but one of the largest origin myths of the way, what, the reason we say bless you is because people believed that when you sneezed, your soul left your body. And if nobody blessed you in time, the devil will snatch your soul and then a demon will enter you and you will be demon possessed. Say bless you every time. Okay. I don't think that's true, but I ain't taking any chances. All right. Uh, but that's like the, or, I mean, that's like superstitious. Uh, and then uh, among the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, they classified the human body into 36 different parts. And they believed demons could attach themselves to any one of those parts. And, and they, they believed that if you had an ailment, that it was probably because of a demon. And so uh, if, if somebody was deaf, they would say, oh, they have the spirit of deafness. They would say, oh, if they were blind, they would have the, the, the spirit of blindness. If you had a fever, you'd have the spirit of a fever. And in Jewish culture, during the New Testament, it, it wasn't any different. <laughs> they were super superstitious. And they believed that demons could attach themselves to food. And if you ate that food, you would ingest a demon, and then you would become demon-possessed. They, they actually believed this, and that's why there was such uh, elaborate hand-washing ceremonies and food-cleansing ceremonies and praying over the food and blessing the food. There was all these elaborate things, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they actually got mad at Jesus and his followers at one point because they didn't do all these elaborate hand-washings and all this stuff, and they're like, you're going to get demon-possessed, and Jesus is like, Nah. And it's just like, but that, like, that, they were superstitious. So you have this culture that is based around that. See, we, we kind of live in a culture of like fun with the supernatural. All right. The spooky season. I'm going to post about it. That, you know, that's kind of fun. They lived in a culture of superstition. So imagine right now you're a disciple of Jesus 
you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're following around during his ministry, and you grew up and lived in a very superstitious society. So now we're in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It's going to be on screen. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. So imagine you're a disciple right now, okay? You, went, you just went across the lake. Let me tell you what happened to them, okay? I want, I want to give you some background, okay? Because the chapter four, this is the start of chapter five. The end of chapter four, while they were crossing that lake, they're in a boat, okay? And this is wild. Jesus is sleeping, just chilling, and a storm happens while they're crossing this lake. And I'm talking like high winds, big waves. They're trying to make it to the other side. I mean, you guys know that crazy wind we had yesterday? I mean, it was, it was, my pool was filled with leaves and branches, but I was like, man, it could be worse because Mac and I saw a car that literally got smashed by a tree, like just parked in a parking lot, tree came down, smashed. I'm like, yeah, it could be worse. (laughs) I could be out like my day could look like that. Thank you, Lord, it doesn't. But like that kind of wind, imagine that, but worse on this lake as they're trying to cross in this little boat and it's Jesus and his disciples and they're crossing and the wind and the waves are picking up and the disciples, they're, they're, they're starting to panic because their boat's starting to get filled with water and they're starting to sink and they're thinking, man, it, 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 if we don't get this water out of here, if this storm doesn't calm down, like our boat's going to sink and then we're going to drown because there's no way we can make it swimming back to shore. We're too far out now. And so they're starting to panic and, 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 and they're probably grabbing whatever they can to try and shovel out of this, this water out of their boat. And it doesn't take them long to look around and realize, where's Jesus. And they look back, and Jesus is napping at the back of the boat, sleeping. I'm a heavy sleeper. I don't think I can sleep through a storm, all right? But it was nighttime. He had a long day. You ever been so exhausted you could literally sleep through anything? Man, that must have been Jesus. And he's back there taking a nap. And this is what happens in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. And it's not going to be on the screens. Just follow along. It says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I mean, they were terrified. Can you imagine being scared that you're going to drown in the middle of a storm and then some dude gets up and it was like, waves chill, and they just stopped. He's like, why are you so worried? And he goes back to bed. I would be even more scared, okay? I would be like, that... that's not natural. That is supernatural. That is weird. I'd be terrified too. And so that's these disciples. They're wet, they're scared, and I'm sure they're exhausted when they get to the other side of this lake. And that's where we pick up in verse 2. It says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. (laughs) Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. I mean, this sounds straight out of a movie, right? Like this could be in The Exorcist. Seriously, imagine how freaky this is. Imagine you're a disciple. You just went through the storm. You're wet. You're tired. You're terrified. You're probably hangry. It's pitch black outside because it's the middle of the night. You're just happy to finally make it to some dry ground. You're about to get out of this boat and kiss it and find some place to lay your head for the night. And as you're getting and you're climbing out of the boat, you're just so excited to be done with the day. Finally, you hear a screech like Like, I don't know, some just crazy screech, dude. And some naked bloody man with his head twirling around in 360 degrees direction, he starts sprinting at you. Can you imagine? I'd be like, we getting right back in this boat. Nope. I don't care if there's a storm. I'm paddling back. That's how I would be. I mean, it's just freaky, dude, this scene happening right now. And then in, in verse six, it says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? (laughs) You ever see it? You see that? But TikTok is like, what's your name? <laughs> Doubt it. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is just like, what's your name? And you're like, Jesus, why are you asking his name, dude? We got to get out of here. You ever watch a horror movie? You're going to get us killed. When you see a demon, you run. You don't talk to it. And Jesus is like, what's your name? I mean, it's just like insane to me. I'd be like, Jesus, no. And the demon replied, my name is Legion. Because there are many of us inside this man. It's not just one demon. It's many demons inside this dude. I'm like, I'm just thinking of the movie Split, where he's got those personalities, and they're all trying to fight for attention. And there's just this dude, it's just like, I'm Legion. And he's just freaky, and he's making not natural movements. And I'm just like, dude, I would be out of there so fast. And then you hear him speak. And it's not one voice coming out of that mouth. Man, you know it's many voices. Look, we're going to try it right now. Okay? We're going to pick a not scary name. Uh, I'm going to pick Bob. Okay? Bob is not scary. Okay? Bob is a very not scary name. So I'm going to ask, what's your name? And you're going to say, my name is Bob, for we are many. Okay? You're just going to say it all at once. So let's practice. Ready? What's your name? Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. You're going to say it like a little louder and a little more angry. Okay, you ready? Are you ready? What's your name? My name is Bob. Oh, dude, that would be so freaky, dude. It sounds freaky. Like, it sounds kind of cool because it's like, oh, we're saying it all at the same time. But if it's a group of demons talking to you out of one guy, no way. No way. I mean, that's, ooh, I'd pee myself. I would literally pee myself. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be wet, and then I'd be even wetter. 
But in verse 10, it says, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Y'all looking like this is a regular thing. That's not a regular thing. I don't just walk and, and just am walking along and see 2,000 pigs running down a hillside and kill themselves. Like that's just, that doesn't happen. And I just, that, if, I would, if I was a disciple, I'd just be like, can anything weirder happen right now? This is absolute insanity. I'm wet, tired, hungry, scared, and I just saw 2,000 pigs commit suicide off the side of a cliff. And uh, I remember this one time, I was watching Discovery Channel, and there was this documentary, and there's these walruses. And these walruses, they, like, migrate, and then they, like, they have, like, these favorite rocks they go to for some reason. And they, like, just hundreds and hundreds of them, walruses, climb up on these rocks And then they don't know how to get down, but they know they have to get back to the ocean. And so they, they're like, they try climbing, but I don't know if you know about walrus anatomy. They don't have hands and feet. Okay. They've got flippers and they're, they're very, like, they're very slighty creatures. Okay. There's nothing to hang on to. So they try to climb back down to the water and they just start tumbling. And it's not like they just watch one walrus and go, I'm not going to do that. I'm looking for another way. No, they go, I'm going to try. And they're just walrus after walrus, just tumbling down to their deaths. I'm like, this is insane. How do we not have a walrus population problem? They're just killing themselves left and right. And I was just like, man, that must have been what the disciples were thinking. Like, what is going on right now? It got even weirder for me when I heard about um, this island that you can go to where you can swim with pigs. I've got a picture on the screen right here. Look at it. So cute. I want to go swimming. Look how clear that water is. That's definitely not California. And it's just like, that's so cute. And like, you can go swimming with these pigs. And I was like, oh, swimming with piggies. They know how to swim. Who taught them? And I was like, wait a minute. They just know naturally. Pigs can swim, dude. These pigs drowned. Pigs know how to swim. They killed themselves. It was literal, like they decided to drown. I know these demons didn't want to drown. They were like, don't send us out of here. Send us into pigs so we can like graze and be free. And Jesus was like, yeah, sure. Send them into pigs. And then the pigs killed themselves. And Jesus was like, Ha-ha. you know what I mean? It was like, gotcha. I mean, it's, I just, the story is insane. It just keeps getting weirder. And I would be just standing there in just dumbfounded shock at this point if I was a disciple of Jesus. And I can just imagine Peter leaning over to John and just being like, that's why we don't eat pigs. You know, like, it's like they're, they're kosher people, okay? They're like, this is, what, this is why. And then in verse 14, it says, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, as I would do, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. 
Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. I totally get it, dude. If I was at that town, like I would, it's not hard to see why they would ask Jesus to leave. I mean, look at the financial impact. First of all, I don't know how much a pig costs, but I'm sure it's, it's at costs at least something. Okay. Nobody's handing out pigs for free. It costs you money. Now imagine 2000 of those money pigs go flying off the side of a cliff because of that man right there. You're going to be like, please leave. And then you got to think about those pigs that just drowned themselves because they just no longer wanted to live, are now going to contaminate the water supply, okay? So you got dead decaying pigs in your water. I'm not drinking that. Now I don't have any bacon and I don't have fresh water, okay? Because of that man right there. Please leave. And so now they're trying to think, man, we got we to have some type of pig brigade. We got to take boats out there. We got to grab our nets. We got to fish out the pigs. Hopefully we can just start a bacon cart and sell a bacon to the neighboring cities and, and just get rid of it as we can because we don't have alive pigs. We got dead pigs, all right? And so you're just thinking about all these problems and I know that these people were like, you get back in the boat and go where you came from. I, under, I totally get it. I totally understand because Jesus turned fishermen into fishers of men and then he turned men into fishers of pigs and they were not about it. Jesus had lost them time and money. And look, we don't, we don't see uh, many exorcisms in today's time. Anybody see an exorcism? No, you don't see them, okay, because they just don't really happen here. I mean, I'm not opening up TikTok, and you've got a video posted on your TikTok that's got that robot voice. It's like, that time I was possessed, and it's like a video of you floating around in a circle. Like, that's just like, it's, it's not happening, right? So what's the point of the story? <laughs> I mean, where's, where's the value here? How is this crazy, freaky, spooky, weird story, how is it applicable to you and I? Why is it even included in the Bible other than just being weird? And I really do think that we can pull some lessons out of this story. And I think the first one is this. It shows that Jesus cares about the things you keep hidden. Jesus cares about the things you keep hidden. See, I believe that the word of God is alive and active today. And this story is alive and applicable today. Because look, maybe you're not chaining up a crazy person in your local cemetery, okay? And trying to keep him hidden and like trying to like, hey, we got to save tourism around here. We really need people coming to the city and staying the night and spending money and going to our amusement park. So we don't want this crazy guy running around. Let's chain him up and keep him hidden. Okay. You're not, maybe you're not thinking about that. Okay. But maybe you do have something hidden in your life. I mean, maybe there is something that that you're hiding. Maybe you're hiding your failures or your guilt or your shame, or maybe you're hiding some past trauma, things that have happened to you. Uh, Maybe it's something uh, that happened to you this week, and you're trying to keep it tucked away rather than dealing with it. I mean, maybe you think you have this thing (laughs) buried in a tomb. Maybe maybe it's, it's, it's deep and it's locked away, but it's not long before you hear the screams of it in your life. 
It's not long before that thing comes right back to the forefront. And maybe what you think you had neatly tucked away is right out in the open. I think it's oftentimes the things we try and hide and bury always have a way of coming to the surface. But God cares about those things. God cares about the things we try to put away, put away and hide away where we think no one will find them. And I'm telling you, it, it doesn't matter where you try to hide them because God sees them. As soon as God steps onto the scene, he sees what you're trying to hide. But the problem is we, we begin not just to hide those things, but then when we start hiding things away, we start to hide ourselves away from God. Because there's something in us that when we can't present all of ourselves to God, we start to back away from God. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we, we even see it with like dogs. I know that the winter time's coming up and my dog decides she would rather go on the carpet than go out her doggy door into the cold. And she, would, she just knows she would rather take the spanking in the morning than go out in the cold. She's just like that. But I also know that when I come out there in the morning and I see that spot, she immediately is darting to the back room. Why? She's hiding, all right? She knows I'm going to be upset. She knows I'm going to be like, Harper, why you do that, right? Like she hides. Dude, the same thing happens to us. When we try to hide things from God, it's weird, it's hard for us to, to, to come in the presence of God or, or talk to him when we feel like we've got something we're hiding. And what happens is we start to just not even, not even try to talk to him, not even try to communicate with him. I mean, you know what it's like when you have a parent or a friend and there, there's something, maybe you haven't been completely truthful or maybe there's something that you're trying to hide and it's kind of awkward and it's kind of hard and you know it's there. And I think, I think the reason we don't see a lot of uh, demon possessions is because the enemy is far more likely to tempt you, to deceive you, or to distract you than he is to possess you. See, if the, if the enemy's goal is to rob, kill, steal, and destroy your life, the easiest way to do that is to keep you from a relationship with Jesus. And I believe that the enemy has found that it's much easier to get you to believe a lie. <laughs> he, he found it's easier to, to hurt you with life experience. He found it's easier to distract you with your life than it is to like live in your body for years on end. And think about it. I mean, his main goal is to keep you from God. And if he can do it by getting you to feel shame, he's going to do it. If it can keep you from God and pull you away with a toxic relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and he doesn't have to live in your body for years on end, if a demon doesn't have to inhabit your body and like speak through your mouth like some sort of weird skin puppet, and like he could just get you with it by distracting you or deceiving you, uh, it, 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 like he's going to do it. But God is speaking directly to that burden or that baggage that you don't want anyone else to see. And he's saying, come out of there. He's saying, come out of there. And you know what he doesn't do with that demon-possessed man? You know why my dog runs to the back of the room? It's because we know we're going to give her a little spanking. You know what Jesus doesn't do to that demon-possessed man? He doesn't guilt trip him for the life he lived. 
He didn't make him feel bad for all the countless nights he kept, uh, he kept waking the neighbors up with his relentless screams at 3 a.m. He didn't blame him for where he was. He didn't say, well, if you had done this, this, and this, you would never would have got demon-possessed, and it's all your fault, sir. Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> See, what he did was bring him healing. He gave the man a fresh start. <laughs> he brought him comfort and peace beyond our comprehension. See, God wants you to bring him that, that thing that you're hiding from him because you're ashamed or you're afraid, and he wants to bring you healing for that. See, Jesus is just and merciful, and Jesus will make you whole and new again no matter the cost. Even if it takes 2,000 pigs, <laughs> Jesus is going to pay for it. Even if it took his death on the cross and the resurrection of his body from the grave to bring you that healing so you don't have to hide anything from him, he was going to do it because Jesus doesn't care about the cost. Jesus cares about the things we keep hidden. The second thing we learn is that Jesus has the authority, so trust him. Jesus has the authority, so trust him. We see in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus proves that he has authority over the natural world, right? When he calms the raging sea, we see that he has authority over the wind and the waves. And then in this chapter, Jesus proves he has the authority over the unseen supernatural world. And I see that this story is... It's, it's not just because of the thousands of demons possessing this dude that this story is crazy, but it's also because these demons didn't even want to fight. <laughs> they didn't even want to fight Jesus, dude. They fought everyone else. Like people try, he, like he, they, he, that, the group of demons possessing that guy fought other people. He was chained up. He was breaking his chains. He was wreaking havoc in this town. That demon, demons, <laughs> they were fighters. As soon as Jesus comes on the scene, man, it's a different tune. Because they recognize Jesus' authority. Chapter 6, when Jesus was still, or some, verse 6, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed down before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. In verse 10, then the evil spirits begged him again and again. In verse 13, so Jesus gave them permission. You're only able to give permission for something you have authority over. Like, I can't tell, like, I can't tell, uh, I can't tell Drew, hey, man, uh, it's so you could drive Leif's truck. Like, I can't tell you that because I have no authority over Leif's truck. But, Drew, ask me if you can drive my car. No, but I could have said yes. I could have said yes because I have authority over that, right? Like that's, I, you, you can only give permission for something you have authority over. And Jesus has, Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth and over the natural and the supernatural. Even the demons. Here, here in James chapter 2 verse 19, it says this. This is a crazy verse. You say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. 
Do you understand what that's saying? It's like, wow, you believe in God. That's great. Even the demons believe that. Like the demons believe in Jesus and in God. It's not a question for them of God's existence. It's not like Jesus came on the scene. They're like, oh my gosh, he's real. No, they're like, they know who he is. And they run and they bow to him and submit to his authority. And they tremble in fear. Even the demons believe in Jesus and his authority. So it's not just about believing. It's what you do with that information. It's not just about believing that God is there and he's real. It's what you do with that information. And you have to trust God that he wants the best for you and that he has the power to do it. I think some of us here today may, may believe that hiding or hanging on to what we have is, is better that, than what Jesus wants to give us. But trust him. That he wants, what he wants to give you is so much better than what you're hanging on to. And sometimes stepping towards Jesus will cost you. Sometimes it may hurt to deal with the pain of past mistakes. Sometimes it's going to hurt to deal with the pain of past trauma that people have caused you. But see, that man, he, he lived in the tombs, the cemetery. This demon-possessed man was a dead man walking no family, no friends, no interaction with the world other than with the people that were trying to chain him up. And man, we can all agree that that's no way to live. And the exchange that Jesus made was some pigs and some time. And through his authority, he brought that man back to sanity. And there he sat in right mind. And from then on, he's no longer viewed as an outcast, but he can go back to his friends and his family. And he has freedom. I want you to know this truth tonight, that Jesus has the authority and power to give you true and lasting freedom in your life. And then after all this, after he sends the demons out of this man, like a scene from the exorcist, and after the people of the town ask him to leave, we come to the scene in verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with them. But Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. What I find crazy is that Jesus in the story tells everyone yes, except for that man. That Jesus, when he he got out of the boat and the demon comes up to him and they beg him to be sent into the pigs. He said, yes. When the townsfolk came and they asked him to leave, he said, yes. And as he's leaving, this man who he had just changed his whole entire life, he says, Jesus, wait, I want to follow you. Let me get in that boat. Let me go with you. And Jesus, out of all people, tells him no. Why? Because I think the third thing we learn in this story is that sometimes God's best answer for you is no. Man, sometimes God's best answer for you will be no. <laughs> I'm often reminded of this story that my parents tell me, and I tell it a lot. When I was a kid, I went to a Ghirardelli chocolate all I, I, like, I wanted a chocolate bar, and my parents told me no because they ordered me a sundae, a Ghirardelli sundae, ice cream. And you know what came on top of the ice cream? 
a chocolate bar. They literally put one on top of that. But I, I can't believe my parents told me no. I was like, I want a candy bar. And I'm just crying. I'm in tears. I'm like hectic over this. It's just, my parents are like, no, no, no. I, I've got something better for you. Like it's coming. Like it, you don't have a candy bar on it. And sometimes we get stuck on no's. But sometimes the best answer for us is no. Because sometimes God's best for you will be not to give you what you want in the moment. I'm so thankful for that because how many of us have asked for things that later we're super glad that God said no? Like, I asked to marry a girl in the third grade that I'd see in the hallway, didn't even know her name, but I saw her and I was like, God, please let me marry that woman. And I was like, dude, I'm looking back, I'm like, what? what? I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer. Can you imagine? He's like, well, he, guys, he prayed it. Okay, you know what I mean? That would just be weird. Like, there's some things that it's good for God to say no to. But I look at this once demon-possessed man now in his right mind, and all he wants to do is be with Jesus. All he wants to do is to be with the one that gave him freedom. But if Jesus had told him yes, if Jesus had told him yes, then he wouldn't have been just part of the miracle. See, see, Jesus telling him no meant that he was able to deliver the miracle. See, it wasn't just part of a story, but he, he was able to tell a story. He wasn't just part of a miracle. He was able to deliver the miracle. In verse 20, it says this. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And I think these 10 towns are like the five cities in Pismo. You ever go to Pismo and there's like five cities? It's like Shell Beach, Pismo, Grover Beach, Oceano, Oro Grande. Like they're all like within walking distance. And I could picture these 10 towns and this demon-possessed man. Now that Jesus had told him no, he said, no, go do this. I want you to tell your story. This demon-possessed man is now walking to these towns talking about what Jesus had done. And I started to think about, you know how when we drive around town and... There, sometimes we see homeless people, and, but there's homeless people that we become familiar with. And I'm talking about, you know, hey, that, they're on that corner. We pass by there a lot and we see them. You know, sometimes we give them money, we pray for them, buy them a bagel from Uncle Harry's. But imagine one day you no longer saw that person on the corner of the streets and you just thought that they changed corners. They're, they're somewhere else. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. But then imagine you get to work <laughs> And a little bit later, a dude walks through the doors of your business and he's clean shaven with a haircut and he's got a suit on and he looks really good. And, he, and you look up and you, you were, I think I know you from somewhere. Imagine if you said, yeah, I used to be on that street corner. You'd be like, dude, tell me, tell me the story. Tell me what happened. Man, I would be amazed. 
Now imagine you lived in that time and you knew that demon-possessed man. And every time you were walking to that town, you knew you had to take the long way or else you're going to get you're going to get stones thrown out. You're going to do a dude yelling and shrieking and cutting himself. And it's going to be weird and it's going to be awkward and you don't want nobody getting hurt. So you're going to take the long way or you know you pass by every day. And you just hear those screams or you're in that city sleeping at night and you hear him and you know him. Or you're one of those guys that has gone hundreds of times to chain him back to the wall. And then one day, one day he walks through the door. You go, what? What happened? He says, let me tell you about Jesus. My friends, there's a miracle being done in each and every one of our lives. There's a miracle that God did when Jesus on the cross paid the price for our sins and died. And then three days later was resurrected that we have eternal new life in him, that we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And Jesus doesn't want it to end there. He said, I don't want you to just be part of the miracle. I want you to deliver the miracle. And Jesus says, go and tell. And that, that, my friends, is part of the gospel. So I want to ask you, man, I think sometimes we make it hard. We make it a lot harder than it is, and it's way simpler than it needs to be. But when was the last time you told your story to somebody? When was the last time you just shared your story about Jesus? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Don't just be part of the miracle. Deliver the miracle.